You are listening to a Commonwealth Bank of Australia Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. This podcast provides general market-related information and is not intended to be an investment research report. The information contained in this podcast is based on previously published material. And before listening, you're advised to read the full Global Economic and Markets Research Disclaimers, which can be found at combankresearch.com.au. Welcome to the Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. My name is Belinda Allen and I'm a Senior Economist here at ComBank and today I'm joined by our Senior Asia Economist, Kevin Shia, who's based in Hong Kong. Kevin, always nice to have you on the line. Hi Belinda, glad to be here. Now, I found 2022, we've spent a lot of time uh, talking about in our broader research team about the impact of the war in the Ukraine, higher inflation, high interest rates, which we've now seen from the Bank of England, uh, the Federal Reserve lifted interest rates for the first time a week ago. We haven't spent a lot of time talking about the economy in China. So we've got you on the line today to give everyone an update on what is happening in China. And Kevin, how has the economy started in 2022? Yeah, the Chinese economy actually had a very good start. Um, January, February economic data, including industrial production, retail sales, and the fixed asset investment, have all uh, beat expectations. Policymakers uh, uh, were upbeat about front loading infrastructure investment. So that the data indeed showed a notable rise in uh, public investment. And manufacturing investment were also solid, partly because of strong demand for Chinese exports. Uh, probably the surprising part is the uh, property investment. Uh, property investment lifted in contrast to an uh, expected fall. Now, since then, we've had a surge in cases in China. We've heard of lockdowns, even though they were relatively short lockdowns in uh, cities such as Shanghai and Shenzhen that led to some concerns about the impact of those shutdowns on not only already uh, supply chain constraints, but also on demand uh, for iron ore in, from Australia and on steel production. How is China at the moment thinking about their COVID strategy? Because for a long time, they were really trying to maintain zero COVID cases. Yeah, so the situation is still very fluid. And mm. the, the number of infections in the mainland has surged about 1,000 in recent days you know, after having stayed low in 2021. So Omicron has spread to almost over half of China's provinces and its high transmissibility makes it very difficult to contain. You know, as you said, mm. uh, local governments in a number of cities, including Shanghai, Shenzhen, uh, have imposed the lockdowns. Um, so these lockdowns in Shenzhen and Shanghai were lifted, um, but you know the uh, number of infections uh, are still quite uh, elevated. So as a result, you know, this could be, uh, this, the current, as a result, the current virus wave could be potentially the worst one in terms of the number of infections uh, after initial outbreak. So, Kev, we've obviously seen a surge in cases and lockdowns continue. In other countries around the world, we've seen governments take the position of letting the virus coexist, so restrictions have been eased. Do you think the Chinese government will start to move towards that type of position, particularly knowing that the Omicron variant, Omicron variant is less severe than obviously previous variants of COVID? Yeah, could potentially, you know, the Chinese government in the near term will move 
into that direction. Uh, however, you know, we think the government is unlikely uh, to shift its dynamic clearing COVID policy in the near term because of concerns about death and the vulnerability of the uh, of and the vulnerability of the healthcare system. Um, but you know, healthcare authorities have already uh, loosened the virus control and prevention measures because, as you said, the symptoms caused by Omicron is much milder. And in particular, patients with mild symptoms can be isolated in places other than hospitals. Uh, discharged patients are allowed to stay home for seven days of observation. The latest data from Hong Kong shows the Chinese, uh, the China-made vaccines uh, have very effective uh, reducing severity and death. So that is a very good sign that in the medium term, the Chinese government might consider uh, shifting its COVID policy. Now, in early March, we had the Chinese government set a growth target of around 5.5% for 2022. So that's roughly in line with your estimated potential growth rate as well. What's the likelihood of China being able to meet that growth potential this year and just the outlook in general? Because obviously we're facing a number of moving parts at the moment. China's still dealing uh, with COVID outbreaks. We have the war in the Ukraine that's leading to rising energy prices, but also offshoring a lot of China's main trading partners. We have higher interest rates as well. So there's the impact from slower growth from those higher interest rates. So it's a really interesting uh, period ahead for the Chinese economy. So how, how do you think growth's going to unfold the rest of this year? Yeah, this, uh, you know, this is about a, a very good start um, this year. The, the, near term out, the near term outlook uh, has deteriorating very uh, quickly. Uh, you know, a 5.5% uh, growth target this year uh, is actually very challenging because if you look at if you look at a sequential you know 5.5 percent growth target actually implies a very high sequential growth so you know with a lot of uh, near-term headwinds as you just said um, the, the surging COVID uh, the war in Ukraine and also monetary tightening advanced mm-hmm. economy all these will impact the Chinese economy so we're thinking, you know, 5.5% is still achievable, but, you know, the hurdle is very high. Um, so as a result, we have cut our 2022 GDP forecast from 5.5% to 5.2%. And, you know, especially uh, the continued lockdowns will hurt uh, consumption quite, uh, quite hard. Mm. And secondly... You know, high energy prices and the slowing foreign demand will also uh, put a significant drag on the Chinese economy. Now, what, what's the likelihood of support both from fiscal policy and from monetary policy as well? It, it seems a, a really, in a way, odd situation where we have a lot of advanced economies looking at lifting interest rates because of high inflation Whereas in China, it's kind of the opposite situation, and we'll talk about inflation uh, shortly, but what's the likelihood that we'll get further policy support from the Chinese authorities? Yeah, to stabilise growth outlook, uh, the Chinese government has to deliver more easing. 
So that is in big contrast to uh, monetary tightening in, in the Western countries. So we expect the People's Bank of China to cut the policy interest rates, including the seven-day reverse repo and one-year medium-term lending facility by 10 bits uh, shortly. And also, we return our forecast of a cumulative 100 bits cut to the required reserve ratio uh, in the first uh, half of this year. And you know, this monetary easing will help support credit growth and uh, economic growth uh, amid a growing headwinds. Uh, secondly, you know, fiscal spending mm. through infrastructure investment is also another important tool. And the policymakers have already front-loaded uh, infrastructure investment. Uh, with the COVID situation, the government probably have to do more uh, to support the growth through investment because construction will be uh, because consumption uh, will be hit hard uh, because of surging COVID cases. Now, inflation has been a big issue, as I said earlier, in countries like the US, the UK, New Zealand, uh, even in Europe, we're seeing rising in inflation. So in the US, we have inflation at 40-year highs. It's kind of the opposite situation in China and also in Japan as well, which you also cover. What are some of the reasons why there is such a different inflation outlook at the moment between China and Japan and those other advanced economies? So I think there are a few factors. Uh, the first one is idiosyncratic factors in China and Japan. So in China, uh, the food, volatile food prices, especially uh, pork prices, have been a key swing factor. Uh, in China's inflation dynamic. And pork only accounts for only a few percent, uh, but it's very large and volatile price swings can influence uh, food inflation and uh, overall uh, consumer inflation. In Japan, the recent cut to mobile surcharges mm. have been a key on its inflation. So as a result, core inflation in Japan has been fallen compared to uh, the rising trends in the Western countries. From that, uh, the other uh, factor is a stimulus. Mm. You know, where the Western countries uh, have delivered unprecedented uh, uh, fiscal stimulus. By contrast, China's fiscal stimulus uh, was relatively small, and also China's fiscal stimulus was focused on supporting investment and production. Uh, by contrast, Stimulus in the West was focused directly on subsiding consumers. You know, the direct financial support to households lifted the immediate demand of poor inflation. By contrast, China's stimulus lifted commodity prices and boosted PPI inflation. And, and also in the West, a very large interest rate cut also supported demand of poor inflation. Mm. Uh, but the monetary policy easing in China and Japan was relatively uh, limited. And the third uh, difference is uh, government COVID policy. So the US and uh, a lot of Western countries have gradually removed the social distancing measures. By contrast, you know, China's COVID policy remains very restrictive. Uh, Japan's COVID restrictions were also relatively restrictive compared to Western countries. The last point I want to make is, you know, the disruption to global supply chains. Yes. And China and Japan are 
the world's main manufacturing industries. So as a result, we have seen the disruption uh, to the China and Japan is relatively uh, less severe compared to uh, disruptions in the Western countries. So as a result, uh, the inflation, the impact on in inflation dynamics is also moderate in China and Japan. It's fascinating, isn't it, just trying to put all the pieces together to, to see just how different the COVID response in particular and the uh, fiscal and monetary policy response has really driven the inflation outcomes we're seeing around the world. Kevin, it's always good to talk about what is happening in China, given I think it's been a little bit less in the front of our minds uh, in recent months. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thanks, Belinda. Now, Kevin has been quite prolific uh, in March uh, talking about the Chinese economy. So there's pieces on the outlook for PPI inflation and consumer inflation, a low but challenging growth target for 2022, surging Omicron cases hit an economic growth outlook despite a better start, and a bumpy road to achieve the challenging 2022 growth target. All those pieces can be found on combankresearch.com.au.